0: Hey, Link here. Thanks for joining me for episode 73, where I speak with Philip Widowicz, also known as Mr. Thee, developer of the upcoming game Ollie Frog Toad Skater. We talk about the staples such as Ollie Frog Toad Skater, how he got started in the industry, and some words of wisdom from his experiences, the game that made him want to get into development, his favorite game, as well as things he does outside of gaming. Outside of the staples, though, we talk about the rise of frogs in video games, Smash Bros and games like Smash Bros, as well as games that Smash Bros influences can be seen in. Before we get started, don't forget, there are links in the episode description that you can follow to learn more about Philip and the game to Ollie Frog Toad Skater, as well as the podcast. Also, don't forget to like and share the episode and feel free to comment on your own favorite game or Smash Bros. like games. Without further ado, please enjoy episode 73. Hi, welcome to the Red Tunic Podcast, a podcast where I look to rediscover what makes gaming fun and enjoyable by having positive conversations with those related to the industry. My name is Link, and today I'm joined by Philip Waitowitz, known as Mr. Thief, developer of Ollie Frog Toad Skater. Hi, Philip. How are you doing today?
1: Pretty good. My cat's with me on my lap, and I have been using a saintly level of self-restraint to make sure I don't sneeze.
0: <laughs> well, um, I'm glad your day is going Okay so far and um I I wish you the best of luck. I don't know where to go with that one. I am sorry. That's fine.
1: I I will persist. So I'll just wait um, until he gets bored. But we we can go ahead.
0: Awesome, awesome. Um so Philip, <laughs> before we get started, uh would you mind telling me and anyone listening a little bit about yourself and as well, you know, if you want maybe throw in a little bit of information about your, your current projects.
1: So, like you already laid out, I'm an indie game developer. I've been making stuff uh, for about 13 years in various capacities, from hobby scale to working at AAA companies to working for mobile studios to doing contracts here and there. And uh, my current creative baby is, as you mentioned, Dolly Frog Toad Skater, which I'm shooting to release next year. It is a game about skateboarding frogs. And, so,
0: oh, yeah, sorry.
1: We've been uh, working on it since about like December twenty twenty one, and have we've been having a blast uh, getting that thing flushed out and in front of people.
0: Awesome, and you know that's that's really cool to hear. And you know a few a few things I wanted to kind of uh, bounce off of just on the topic of of Ollie Frog Toad Skater and. You know, I've, I tried the demo, um, when, during one of the Steam Next Fests, I believe it was, or one of their festival thingies, Mm -hmm. and then I also tried it at PAX, tried a more updated build, uh, and I just want to say I really have enjoyed, um, the time I did get to, you know, get to play around with it. Um, I think it is a really amusing, um, I don't know, I don't know the right word, um, I think it's just an amusing uh, and adorable medium to like interject into a skateboarding game, and Thanks. I believe when uh when we were talking at Pax, I mentioned one of my favorite things I don't know if this was on an older build that from like one of the festival things or um a more recent one, and you know I only saw just recently at Pax, but the whole like when you're when you wipe out like just the look on your face it um it makes it it makes it made me feel really good and not angry in the slightest when like I screwed up and just like ate dirt because it just, you, you look, you know, your character is just adorable and it looks so funny. It just sort of like D de- like it takes away any and all kind of um frustration for like not pulling something off. So I just wanted to make a note of that or mention of that. Cause like I said, it's, 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 you know, fun what I've had from it, but that, that, that part, like that adorable thing about it, especially just like absolutely tickled me.
1: thank you yeah it's it just kind of felt natural to do because like skateboarding IRL is already kind of frustrating and hard and nobody likes to eat so adding some gracious failure or even like a form of positive feedback so people are encouraged to almost like purposefully bail is kind of neat to play with and the squeaky toy was just like oh what if it did this and then I just like took a bunch of recordings of dog toys and randomized which one to do on playback and that's something I want to say. Like maybe forty percent of playtesters point out and compliment because it's kind of unusual, but also like makes a lot of sense. But it still catches them off guard. So I'm doing something right there.
0: Um. Yeah. Exactly. You know. Like I'm. I'm happy. More. You know. A good chunk of people are 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 catching that and enjoying it as well. Just because, like I said, that. Um. You know. It, it. I'm not a a huge you know skateboarder. Um, and by that I mean not really in the slightest. Um, I my my skateboarding career quickly ended when I was younger and flew off a curb and bounced my head off the curb, and that was kind of the end of me ever bothering again. Um, but like getting to enjoy these games is always super fun, and like getting to enjoy them with a an an amusing and like interesting twist is even better in my mind. So yeah, so yeah, I'm glad other people are enjoying you know the the adorableness approach or or however uh, uh everyone wants to to put it that's how i'm putting it at the very least that's good um i also wanted to ask something and just because um i uh it's something that i think many people and i don't know if you know if if that factored in for you guys uh or for you when you were like you know starting out or you know what have you um but recently there's been a lot of um there's been a lot of like frog inspired kind of game things and was was that just like an uh, a happy kind of coincidence when you started with the frog or was um was ollie frog toad skater kind of a thing that uh came about around that time of like that one game jam where like everyone did frogs and then frogs exploded out uh, I hope what I'm asking makes sense. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I think what you're saying. Um, so the original concept was, so I started Dev December 2021, but the original concept was from a private game jam I had with a couple friends, and that was in April that same year. Um, somebody brought up a similar question uh, when I did a Reddit AMA around the time of the Kickstarter last year. Uh, basically saying, why are there so many frogs in video games now? And what I... My conclusion... Well, so... Excuse me. So, frogs have always sort of been a popular subject matter, along with most animals. But I think what people are starting to realize is that, unlike designing human characters, where off the bat, there's a bit of intrepidation most consumers will have staring at any sort of human character in any medium, because people have like neutral trust with people. But if you put a human in front of like an animal or something, which doesn't know any better or has like no way on society, they are more open to it. And so that's a why you're seeing a bunch of animal games more recently. But I think the reason you're seeing a bunch of frog games is sort of a counterculture against sort of like a lot of right-wing media and politics. And frogs have this interesting property of a being round and appealing to look like uh, appealing to look at, but they're also one of the few, like, natural hermaphrodites in nature. And so there are some species of frogs, like the common reed frog, which actually switch genders throughout their lifetime um, in various ecosystems, both natural and unnatural. So I think that's another reason some people have, like, subtly gravitated towards it. It's a it's a very gender neutral but also gender fluid type of animal which is just round and easy to depict and draw and look at i think another animal which occupies a very similar popularity space in consumers minds are foxes it's like both them and frogs sort of live on like the second tier of popular animals and of course the zero th- like the first tier the top tier the most popular animals are going to be like cats and dogs but and you do see those a lot in games obviously but once you get one tier below, you get slightly more niche, but also just slightly more ubiquitous. In terms of frogs and foxes are sitting right next to each other there. At least that's the way I view it.
0: So that like, th- thank you for 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 your 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 view on that. I'm trying to think of the best way to like to to go from there because that's a uh, everything you said is a very interesting, um, uh, view i 'm um, trying to think of like the best way to say it that doesn 't in any way unintentionally make it sound like dismissive or what have you. Um, I want to be very careful on that one but no but that you know um, that's that 's an interesting like approach or take i 'd never thought of any of any of it like from from that angle um, so thank you for for kind of uh, uh, introducing me to that because that 's like i said that 's an interesting angle and um
1: I also just I, like I frogs. Know. I think a lot of people like frogs. But I think people, what people have realized over the past, like, few years is that there's a lot of playable character subject matters that are left untouched. Why not we just use a bunch of animals? And I think that's fine. And also innovative.
0: You know, I, I also agree. Like, that is that is an approach or a view or an angle, what have you, that um, I, like, I've already kind of explored in my head, and I I agree completely with what you're saying, uh, because like it's, you know, like um, who who doesn't like it well, was I'm 35. I grew up on the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I grew up watching Biker Mice on Mars, um, you know, and all of like the other weird little attempts. So like, I I 100% agree with you on that from that angle, especially, uh, because like you know doesn't like seeing a i always i hate this word anthropomorphized i hate it cuz i can't pronounce it um but who like who doesn't like seeing uh an animal that's humanized like that doing cool stuff right yeah. so um so yeah i 100% from from that angle as well i i i agree with you on that one and as i said thank you for the interesting other angle that i will uh probably end up investigating or thinking on myself uh, just because that is a, a very interesting approach to it, and like, I, it intrigues me to learn more, or, or what have you. Again, I'm being very careful to not like say anything that unintentionally sounds dismissive. I want to be very clear and careful sure, yeah, yeah, on yeah,
1: that yeah. one. Uh, I can hear like some of the tension in your uh, <laughs> pauses, so... <laughs> uh, um, don't worry about it, just loosen up. <laughs> You'll be fine.
0: <laughs> well, thank you. Um, so... Uh, Philip, I do want to ask, you know, because as you said, you've worked on, um, you know, uh, several smaller projects, you know, you've done some contracting, um, you know, mobile games, um, uh, some AAAs, you know, what have you, what have you. It sounds basically like you've been um, all over the place, more and or less in the the grand scheme. Uh, Can you, you know, would you mind maybe speaking to how it is you got into developing and making games and maybe... Um, And if you forget this part of the question, I'll circle back around. But, um, you know, if you have any words of wisdom that you've learned the hard way that you can share to help other people uh, maybe not learn as hard as you, uh, by all means, like, can you can you speak to that?
1: Sure. Um, So. uh, Give me a second. I'm going to let the cat out of this room because the door has been going in and out. So just give me a hot second. Sure thing. Sorry about that okay
0: no worries so
1: um i let's see so i've wanted to make games since i was in like the middle of high school but pretty much the only tool chains that were available in like 2008 2009 that were recommended online was you had to basically pop open a modded version of half-life 2 and then learn how to mod that because there are a lot of excuse me there were a lot of games at the time which were built around source but getting up and running in that tool chain was very difficult but there were a lot of games good games that were sort of built on that like uh, i think it was dark messiah might and magic was one of the first games which someone pointed out to me Is like oh hey that was actually built on top of like Half-Life 2 mod, and I'm like, oh, interesting. And so early on, I was dabbling in like some very old version of Autodesk and got sort of some basics of rigging and modeling and 3D Cat stuff there, but I didn't really sort of use Unity 3D in earnest until 2010 because February of that year, uh, Zero Punctuation had put out their review for Mass Effect 2 for the PS3, and Before each of his reviews, which came up on Wednesdays, on every Tuesday, he would do a column where he'd write about just sort of like some extra footnotes regarding the game. And around the time he put up that review, he was talking about this new free 3D game engine called Unity 3D, uh, which people were starting to use. And that's how I caught wind of it. And then I looked up a bunch of YouTube tutorials and got into that and started doodling around with that. And that's sort of how I got my start. And shortly after that, I wanted to basically vertically integrate my own skill set and pipeline because I had the time because I was a high schooler. And so that's when I also took up learning. I already had known a bit of GIMP, but that's also when I started learning uh, Blender and started learning how to model, rig, and animate from that. And at that point, I had taken like one community college class on C++ programming, and some of that knowledge transferred over to what was sort of Unity's version of JavaScript or ActionScript. Uh, they were .js files, but they were actually another language called Unity Script. I'm not going to get into that, but basically, I had all the tools I needed to make crappy little 3D games for myself. Uh, so that's how I got started. But my career developed. I would say I was still always like doing side projects in Unity 3D. Uh, towards the end of high school, throughout my whole undergrad. But during my computer science and engineering undergrad, I got all my good fundamentals in 3D math. And I took an open Geo class there, learned a bit more C++, and just some other like computer science fundamentals. Along with a few physics classes, because that was there was like a technical breadth required at UCLA's engineering undergrad program. Which was very handy, because it helped me learn stuff like fluid dynamics and physics stuff. But then out of college, my first job was at NVIDIA. Doing hardware infrastructure stuff with a bit of like graphics knowledge for one of the tools they had there. And then that place kind of sucked. And then I bounced around like through five different gaming contracts across like mobile and middleware places, mostly a bunch of AR companies and uh, mobile companies, which needed like a little bit of low level programming and graphics knowledge. Then I was at my first like game studio gig proper, which is at Top Golf Media, and they were working on a mobile title. I worked there for a couple of years and then I left and then I did the Kickstarter for Olly Frog and that went well. But between all of those gigs, it was a lot of always doing side projects like Warp Soldier or The Deepest House or these smaller things, which I maybe worked on for like 18 months, 24 months and then put out there with like very little marketing effort, mostly just as a close the loop exercise and shipping stuff out there. And on top of just like a bunch of smaller game jams and concepts and demos, But after, around the time I was still at NVIDIA, I was able to get a headline with a side project I was doing there. Very simple, like, almost Pachinko-esque golf gardening game called The Growth Project, which got me my first rock, paper, shotgun headline. And that made me sort of realize, oh, hey, my sort of taste and design sensibilities are sort of relevant to people. And so I'm able to be trendy on that front, and then I just decide to lean into it for all my future projects, which is sort of why Ollie Frog looks the way he is. Like, he's very relevant, he's very hip, he's very much something people will have gravitated towards. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much my story. I kind of jumped around there in the timeline, but that maybe gives you a good sense of how I got to where I am. I could go into more details later if you're curious. But I think my one piece of advice... I would give people is do what you can during your school days or whatever to find a good creative partner if you can because that's going to be the difference between, like, you being able to make a hit game in, like, three, four years versus, like, however long it took me to get to this point because I've mostly been working as a traditional solo dev during, like, the mid-2010s, I would say, but it wasn't towards, like, Pandemic era or right before the pandemic started that I really started to ask for help more often. And the other thing I would also recommend newcomers to do is start 2D. There are some nice long term benefits. If you learn 3D stuff, you can get some very good paying gigs if you're like a seasoned 3D tech artist or FX worker. But if you start on 2D, you'll be able to just like crank out and iterate more in design spaces so much faster and still be able to put out something which resonates with a lot of audiences. I think that's maybe my biggest regret was not starting 2D. I was very ambitious and wanted to do 3D stuff off the bat, and that has paid off in some ways. And I sort of don't regret those decisions, but I do often wonder what it would be like if I just used a sprite, had enough patience with Game Maker. Because back then... Like 2011 game maker was not very good, and so I had just sort of been sitting on Unity three D since.
0: So thank you for for walking you know walking me and everyone listening through uh through your story regardless of as you put it the timeline skipping around there uh you know that's really interesting just to hear um going from um you know uh playing around in like high school or or what have you and and through school and then. Uh, landing more as like a hardware-ish focused thing through NVIDIA. Um, and then, you know, working your way between and through different smaller projects or what have you, like whoever you want to put them, uh, smaller studios or or whatnot, uh, to then, you know, getting a, a Kickstarter, a successful, um, I'm presuming, or from what i have aware, I'm guessing. Um, yeah, we succeeded. Uh, we
1: had a goal of 35K last year and we had 43K. Um, uh, yeah, so uh, we nailed that.
0: Thank God. <laughs> uh, which congratulations, by the way, just because I know um, Kickstarters are uh, not the um, least stressful things to go through. So, you know, mm-hmm. the, the um, you know, congratulations on, on that. And hopefully that, you know, took some stress off for what you guys are, are working on and, you know, putting out there, but you know, but thank you for, for walking, you know, for sharing that story as well as the words of wisdom. I think that's really interesting uh you know to to like i i 100 understand the iteration aspect of it and i'd never thought that you know 2d would be a little easier however um to, to iterate with however i i can you know i it would be easy to see how and why because you're not dealing with um as many different variables as you're trying to figure things out um so yeah so like that's an interesting you know way to go about it and i think that's a good piece of advice for anyone that um just sort of wants to jump in and they don't know um they want to limit the amount of things they have to stress about when jumping in <laughs> uh if my interpretation makes sense
1: yeah that's pretty correct it's just when you go from 2d to 3d there's a whole order of magnitude of work you have to worry about you have to worry about Topology, you have to worry about rigging, you have to worry about UV mapping, you have to worry about just, like, keyframing animations. In one sense, 2D is nicer, but also harder in some respects, where some sprite animations are just straight up more expensive to animate in 2D than it is to, like, sort of animate them in 3D. But it's the number of sort of, like, different steps you have to take in 3D, which gets really arduous and taxing um uv mapping rigging animating and also making sure that all looks good in 3d and in the context of that world and maybe you have to add particle effects or shadows or other blemishes whereas in 2d you um you have much more in terms of like design affordances and so things you could get away with Using much fewer assets in a 2D project than you can, using minimal assets in a 3D project. It's kind of like when you operate an N64 game, it maybe doesn't hold up as well because the eye is expecting more per pixel. I guess is what happens there. It's, it's, it's this whole topic. But yeah, start 2D if you can and just wrangle things down on that front first. Unless if you're like crazy like me or take pride in like having a good math and 3D art background.
0: So again, you know, I thank you for for that advice. You know, everything you said, uh, you know, I understand it makes sense. And I think it'll probably resonate with with others uh, and make sense to them as well. So thank you for that. You are welcome. (laughs) Yes, so tread lightly. (laughs) Tread lightly. Um, So um, I do want to ask this one because, you know, you said you uh, because of like zero punctuation, you learned about unity and. And, uh, you know, uh, and all of that, you know, the the whole process. Um, But I am curious, was there... And, you know, I don't know if this is just going to be because Mass Effect 2 is what introduced you to Unity, so to say. But, like, was there a game or games, plural, uh, that made you want to make games? And, like, you know, why or what was it about, you know, that game or games or what have you that, that kind of influenced you?
1: I mean... The game I usually say be, as being, like, a sort of inspirational kernel for me, saying I want to dedicate my life to this, is probably Ocarina of Time. Because I was, like, five when that came out, and, like, I didn't have the motor skills to, like, pick up an xsc c 4 controller or do any, like, sort of, like, real-time games. Like, I could play, like, maybe Mario Party or Pokemon Stadium or something. But watching my brother and all of his friends go through that game it was just, like... There just literally wasn't, like, anything like that game at the time, and that sort of transcends not just in video games, but just in forms of, like, TV media in general. Like, it was just so mind-blowing that I wanted to play—it just inspired me a lot and stimulated all of my creative senses that I just sort of wanted to, ever since then, just approach that again, if that makes sense. Like, it, like it's very hard to understate the impression that game sort of left on me, and it made me want to sort of, like, dedicate learning a craft to making games as spectacular as perhaps that one day, and leave a similar impression on others going forward.
0: So, I definitely understand, you know, how and why uh, Ocarina of Time would would do that to you. Um, you know, I, I I've shared this before, and it's not like, you know anything as bigger in depth as you but like for me um the first time i like got hands-on or just watched like a demo of it or what have you um it was mind-blowing because up until that point for me at least it was like mario 64 which is a whimsical and fantastical what have you or some other 64 games but ocarina of time you know uh was like a immersive experience as you one could have on like that, that hardware. So like, I definitely get how and why that game would have been like such a fundamental pillar in, in, you know, influencing you or what have you, just because it is, um, it's like a, a, a gold standard in what the Nintendo 64 era, uh, or what that generational era really could offer. So like, yeah, 100%. It's a, and it's also, you know, such a fantastic game, to be inspired by. So, like, mm. thank you for sharing that. That's you know, a great game and a great uh foundation <laughs> pillar. I, I'm sorry, I don't know how to summarize the end part there.
1: Yeah, we'll just call it influential. I did put out like a top there was this thing going around Twitter of like top 25 games on your list through like a top star page. That game was definitely in the top five, um plus a few others.
0: So I don't know if this is going to be like a similar answer for you then. However, uh, do you have a favorite game? Like, I don't know if your favorite game is going to be the one that, you know, was the, sure, sure, the sure. most influential or what have you. But if there is and it's a different one, what would that one be?
1: Uh that's a good. It's like the way this question sometimes comes up is like, what is the best game of all time and what is your favorite game? I would say the best game of all time is Majora's Mask, actually, because that builds such a unique atmosphere with a very limited set of resources, and no one's been able to come close to sort of, like, the sort of dread and, well, it's like a cocktail of dread, melancholy, but also a bit of magic in terms of the way sort of characters interact in that space and the stories they have to tell and the lives they have to cope and go through over and over again. So on that sense, I think as a compelling piece of media, Majora's Mask is like head and shoulders above most of the other landscape, even more so than Ocarina of Time, I would say. But I think the, my favorite game might just be Super Smash Brothers Melee for the Nintendo GameCube, because it's a fun game. People still play competitively for a reason. And This is also just true for a lot of game creators of my generation, like Doki Doki Literature Club, Undertale. Like, so many of those games have sort of pulled from that in some manner or fashion. And I wouldn't hesitate to call Super Smash Mothers Melee. Like, I don't know if it's the best game of all time, but it's certainly the game of a generation of creators and developers.
0: Yeah. So... Thank you for, for, you know, for a few different things you said there for like, for, for answering that as a whole, just a few different things you said there. um You know, I, I didn't have a GameCube. So I unfortunately, like missed out on that whole generation. So I'm like, are you able to speak to um how or why you feel Melee is such an influence? Um, because I... I, I just I miss that, so I don't see those influences, or I might not be aware of what those influences is, and I'm wondering if you can maybe educate me a little.
1: Sure. I mean, like there's an ex- an explosion of platform fighters over the past like five, ten years. Uh you've seen games like Rivals of Aether, you've seen other games like um uh, Nick All Stars Brawl, multiverses. Pretty much every single one of those game's design templates is derived from Melee in some respect. Like, there's a little bit of advanced movement tech. It's still, like, easy to approach and play. You don't have to worry about, like, getting your quarter circles right or certain, like, sequential button direction sequences. Well, so all of those games are very accessible because of that. But also just sort of, like, the other metaculture aspects of... Just sort of, like, ever since, like, the Melee documentary exploded on the competitive scene in, like, 2013, there's just been a whole new wave of just internet cultural memes which poke fun at everything from, like, mangoes in jail to leffen is being leffen doing leffen things to the point where there's an AI bot mocking his Reddit posts and tweets which lays down some real truth. And it's really interesting to just see, like... How the competitive scene has evolved since that documentary and all of it is just rooted in like this silly little party game, which at the time just had kind of insane production values, like very big roster, lots of trophies, lots of things to do. It was just a very massive game and such a massive step over the N64 iteration. Like I remember seeing screenshots of it in Nintendo Power. and My brother was pointing it out to me my older brother, and just being like, oh, whoa, this game is going to be insane when it comes out. And it was insane and still is insane in some respects. Um, Because every iteration from Melee has sort of toned the speed bag a bit and also just pulled back a lot of the flow. Like, you can look at a character like Captain Falcon and how he plays across all Smash games, and in Melee, he's definitely the most fluid. He keeps all of his momentum and going in directions, but if we look at places where Melee has sort of had an interesting influence, like the creator of Doki Doki Literature Club, Dan Salvato, got to start off in the online creative space by just making the 20XX hack pack and hacking, doing ROM hacks of Melee so that you could play modded versions of the game just with a modded GameCube memory card, which was, from compu- from like a computer science perspective, that's already kind of like an insane feat because that's a bunch of low-level... Assembly wrangling power PC stuff you happen to do, and just like the amount of creativity you've. And there are other places where you could just see how inspirational Melee's creativity was. Like, there's a very prominent YouTuber, Ludwig Ogren, or something. Uh, but he got his start off in the Melee community, uh, doing a little bit of commentary, acting as a guest on some like, um, Melee celebrity functions here and there, like the roast of. Was he on the Roast of Hugs? I don't remember, but he sort of, both him and Slime and a number of members of The Yard got their start off in the Melee community in sort of, like, different aspects, and now The Yard is, like, the top-grossing um, podcast on Patreon last time I checked. And then, going back to Undertable, uh, Undertale, uh, Toby Fox has gone on record to say that I think he is a Falco main. And he still alludes to that aspect in a lot of his works. And similar to Dan Silvato, the way he got his start off wasn't through modding Melee, but it was actually modding Mother 2 or Earthbound. Um, and so in that sense, he and Dan Silvato had very similar career paths, but Melee has sort of touched them in both ways. And there are other indie developers who have like taken notes and cues from Super Smash Bros. Melee, like... Um, SBF Games, they made the launch title for the Switch called Snipperclips, but the SBF and SBF Games comes from their old Newgrounds Flash moniker, Super Flash Brothers, and there are some doodles of like these two players playing Martha and Falco. On a bed, and in the Marth's mind, he's got the super analytical, calculated depiction of, oh, this is how you should space it. But the Fa- Captain Falcon player is just sort of like ballistic and just wants to land a single Falcon Punch. That drawing you see in the documentary comparing like those two play styles uh, was from SBF. I think, I forget if it was Tom or Dim, but one of the folks from that crew. So it's it's not very obvious at first, but if you dig a little closer into it, like, a lot of modern indie games be them platform fighters or not uh you will find melee's influence melee's influence specifically in there in some way or form
0: so thank you for that you know and that's that's really interesting to to hear or to like to know just because um like i said i i missed that that generation um but it's you know it's interesting because it's it always like i always think it's cool when there are games that inspire so many people and like everyone takes their own little bit of that game into how they move forward or what they want to do as they move forward so um so thank you for that i did not know about the like cultural impact or or what have you for for melee and i'm you know i'm gonna look into that more as well just because i'm i'm now curious just how um how wide those wings spread or some other better fitting analogy, but thank you for that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Philip, I am curious about this then, um, because, you know, and I think like this, this question, like this is a, a amalgamation of two questions or, or you can interpret any, either which way. Um, but like, it sounds like, you know, you might be someone that has played, um, a lot of melee and a lot of games similar to melee or followed, um, games similar to melee. Uh, do you have like, a f- uh, do you have like a melee favorite that is- isn't really, um, as well known or you don't think did too well? Like I know, um, the Nickelodeon one, the more recent one, I think there was another one that did more recently that also didn't do too well. I don't like not the Nickelodeon one, some other one. Um, but I'm just wondering, like, uh you know as someone that knows a little bit more about that scene than me if if there's one of those that you had hoped would do better and didn't or or what have you
1: interesting question um yeah multiverses did kind of drop the ball uh, because that game had insane budget and you can sort of see like the animation and raking quality of a lot of their characters i think the hardest part about making a platform fighter is understanding Uh, just, like, good character animation flow, because when that looks too jerky, it takes you out of the experience, and it's harder to connect with those players at a very visceral level. Um, And I think one place... This is very much a minor nitpick. I don't know if it's ultimately what led to its deathful, but I think Multiverse's biggest issue um, was just sort of the way your character's aerial momentum behaves when you do certain attacks. Like, I do appreciate that it's sort of going for a 2v2 set up in order to differentiate itself. I think that's an interesting, smart move, Uh, just taking doubles as a uh, platforming fighting game set up seriously. But that also has the drawback of singles is a lot less interesting to watch Uh, because some characters just aren't built for that well. Like some characters, I think like Velma and stuff are more support-based. But what sort of drives me insane, and this is very much because my brain is sort of rooted in the way that melee works, But it's also a function of it just kind of looks weird by itself, where when you do certain attacks, you lose like 90% of your downward vertical momentum if you're descending. And maybe that's so you can do better air combos and stuff and juggles. But it's just another one of those weird interruptions of flow, because there are sort of two ways you could interrupt flow. You could either make the character take a very weird animation state and another game another platform fighter which has sort of like been very guilty of this is rushdown revolt uh, which was formerly known as icons battle arena which god when did it debut it was at like evo 2017 2018 i think and eventually that company folded and i they had a a they had the other flow issue of that the characters animations were a bit jerky going from certain state to certain state and there's a bit of subtle jerkiness to melee's character animations like there's no crossfading but the way they get around that is that the start of the keyframes of certain attacks on their prior states are just close enough to each other where they can sort of get away with that and that's something nintendo's always been really about doing is making sure their characters animations always sort of flow into each other even though they aren't like perfectly seamless um that's something i learned uh, scrubbing through individual frames of certain like melee characters' attacks when I was starting off early on learning Blender and learning how to animate things and trying to see how they broke their characters down and did they implement certain uh animation blending means, and it turns out they don't do a lot of that blending, they just have like very good compositional chops Um, and not having those chops is how you end up with games like Rushdown Revolt, which are a bit jerky going from frame to frame um there's a few other factors holding that game back just in terms of like how that sort of business was laid out and how those contractors were set up and how that player base was kept in check but that's a whole separate conversation.
0: So, you know, thank you for for that answer and you know, I I've never heard of Rushdown Rebel. I'm, you know, I'm curious about it. Um DC uh, uh, the the Multiverse or the DC one you mentioned, that was the one I was struggling to remember the name of. So, thank you mm-hmm. for for that as well. And I you know, I'm, I'm not a huge, um, uh, platform arena fighter, whatever the category, um, smash and similar games fall into. Um, but I didn't know that it was a kind of like a 2v2 setup where, like you said, you had like a support character and whatnot, but like, that's really interesting to to learn. And I think that's a really interesting, um, you know, approach that they, they took with that. And hopefully that's something we can see going forward, uh, uh, maybe from a team that I don't like, I don't know how to phrase it uh, more appropriately, but like understands a little better to make the, that has like the longevity or, or what have you in mind to, to, you know, keep people playing it that doesn't offset the negatives or, or whatnot. Cause um, like that's a, I think that's an interesting approach that would probably resonate with uh, more people just because I imagine seeing, Two characters on the screen supporting each other and everything uh, would just create more meta and create more interesting uh, fights for people to, to experience and, and watch, right?
1: Yeah, it's... there's a lot of factors going in, and one of the reasons Doubles is always struggling is that a lot of people argue that there's just, like, too much going on on screen at any given point that it's hard for viewers to track. But with like a 1v1 fight. Like at least with a game like Marvel or something, where it does have sort of a tag system if there is like a third or a fourth character on the screen, they're usually not there for very long.
0: And you know, that's also like a really good point. Like uh the new Mortal Kombat, uh, you know, how most of the other characters are just sort of like um uh temporary, I'm gonna call them summons or what have you, where they come in, they do a thing, um, and they bounce out. Um, and you know, other games, the, inter- uh, the 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 way they handle that is like character swapping or having them jump in and and doing some things. I'm not a huge fighting game player, so my um my use of terminology or what have you is very limited. <laughs> um, but I, I think I said the right words there for anyone that might be more aware to know what I was trying to say. <laughs>
1: yeah. I, th- I think the traditional term is like assist. That's sort of more generic and um, works across more characters. But yeah, um, sort of coming from that space and going into a skateboarding game is... There is a lot of interesting design overlap, because at their core, there's a lot of self-expression you can do just by, like, doing actions and the combos and the risk-reward of... If you get all these together, they look great, but if you biff one towards the end, it's kind of a... Like, you just kind of ball it. But it builds a lot of nice tension, and so... I think that's the reason why I've been having a pretty easy time sort of like developing Ollie Frog from that standpoint, even though I didn't play a ton of the Tony Hawk games growing up, I still like had a good enough working memory of how they behaved and how those mechanics worked. to the point where even if I spent most of my life just like fixating on platform fighting game design, it still applied there.
0: And, you know, thank you for, for bringing that one back around, because like, you know, it's like i said before about you know um not knowing of the the impact and influence of of melee and such um you know hearing how you know your the the you know how you um looked at uh animating or what have you and like blender um and like in, in did what you could to interpret from uh how melee worked and you know what have you what have you what have you it's interesting to hear like the things you learned and you know similar to probably other devs like what you took away from that and how to apply it so you know thank you for bringing that around too because that's also just really interesting to just hear the foundation of something that is not like in the same lane or even in the same book but still know that there are lessons learned from it that you are applying and still applying you know
1: yeah just lots of good multi-genre fundamentals and like maybe there's maybe all that falls under better under the umbrella of like character action and that goes for like platforms and stuff as well as opposed to like puzzle games but yeah the nice thing is that even though you might worry that you're pigeonholing your skill set to maybe one genre for long um there's still some like other genres that can still benefit from that knowledge as well
0: which thank you because that's also wonderful advice to not worry about you know um uh skills and knowledge that you know you might think is highly specific is actually something that you can apply, apply elsewhere. Um, now, Philip, I do want to ask this just because I don't want to take up too much more of your time. As you know, uh, when we started out, you had mentioned that, you know, you did have something lined up after this and you did have to, to get going. So I do want to fire off one more for you before I um, get out of your way. Uh, and that is, you know, outside of games, um, you know, outside of making games or what have you, uh, like, what do you enjoy doing? What do you do to relax now? I know that this is kind of a weighted question because it very much could be um playing and enjoying games, and if that is it that 's perfectly valid. However, I still like to ask it all the same, just to, you know to to see if there's something you 'd like to share that 's about yourself that 's not you know entirely video game related
1: sure well. I like to go for walks. I like hiking. I like, maybe not like super long hikes, but there's a nature reserve not far from me that's walking distance that I sometimes go to to just like look around, relax, stare at the environment. Maybe there's some inspiration for another game in there because when you do this hobby for so long, you're seeing inspiration and in all sorts of things if you have that sort of passion for making games in multiple genres at some point. But I also like cooking when I have time. I don't as have as much time these days because of all the dev work that I did, but I used to do stuff like try out more aggressive recipes or cooking setups. Like I made macaroons once a few years ago. That was fun. And also I used to make pizzas pretty frequently, maybe not with a pizza oven per se, but with some just like lower temperature home baking stuff. Uh, what else do I do? I have a cat. His name's cinnamon. He's very sweet. I like to take pictures of him and doll him up occasionally in like a little bow tie and show them to my friends. so that's been a fun sort of second job <laughs>
0: <laughs> um so you know, thank you for that now i'm gonna i'm gonna hit you with this one really quick. uh you know, as someone that was making like you said you you like to make a lot of pizzas or attempts at pizzas um did you find a uncommon combination? that you didn't expect to work out, and then it worked way better than you thought. And I only ask this one specifically uh, because a few years back, my my partner, she bought me um, the TMNT pizza book. And one of their things, I forget what the other topping was, but pickles was one of them. Um, I've never made the attempt to do it yet. However, they say it's good. Uh, and that would be, in my opinion, a very uncommon or unexpected topping. So I'm just wondering if you also have like, uh, you have a weird combination that you tried and went, oh wow, this worked way better than it had any right to do.
1: Um, I don't know if I have a stellar combination. I think one thing that worked out kind of okay but kind of weird but I may or may not try it again was when I was in college I started experimenting. I, I used to work out a bunch and I experimented with mixing protein powder in and things and one time what I did was I substituted like a quarter of the flour out for like this vanilla whey protein powder I had and it was surprisingly edible. Like, obviously, it wasn't perfect, and it was a pretty <laughs> heavy pizza to eat. But like, in terms of just like general taste, like, nothing, not that much was taken away from the integrity of the pie. I guess. I don't know if I would try so, it again. It's a lot of work, but it, it was surprisingly not terrible. It was it it was kind of weird. It wasn't like spectacular, but it wasn't awful. It, it was very middle of the road.
0: So I'm, I'm happy that it wasn't a complete failure. I, I it's like the best thing I can say, but that's also really, um, thank you for that. Cause that's like an interesting thing to, to look at experimenting with in just general, uh, like flour substitutes or base substitutes for the dough. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and like I said, I'm glad that wasn't a complete failure. Cause the last thing I think anyone wants when cooking in general is to try something and have it make your food completely inedible. And, you know, I think, um, I think we can all attest to um experiments we've done that absolutely destroyed the integrity of food um you know personally, I've done it you know several times um once I got the dumb idea to try and mix like soy sauce with eggs to do like a weird um uh scrambled eggs, but yeah, it didn't work. um Don't do that, anyone who gets the a dumb idea like that. but what I'm getting at is you know, thank you for sharing that. I'm happy that worked for you um. But yeah, you know, like I said, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. I do want to let you get on uh, with the rest of your day with the other plans you had that you squeezed me in between. Uh, However, if there was anything else you want to discuss, you know, like a cool game, um, you know, something you feel more people should just be aware of, uh, some other little things that you might be doing or what have you, the floor is all yours as well. Please let everyone know where they can find more information about you, which I'll also include in the episode description. And, you know, uh, you had mentioned dressing up cinnamon and like showing that off. If that is also one of the things you want more people to be aware of, I, I encourage it. Cause I think more people, or I think People would like to see that in general, because people love animals in in funny little costumes and bow ties, right?
1: <laughs> He's not rocking a bow tie right now, but I might put one back on um, once I get over the guilt of, oh, I don't want to put a collar on him. Maybe he'll be naked for the rest of his life. <laughs> but you can catch me at Twitter as at Philipwits. That's P-H-I-L-L-I-P-W-I-T-Z. Um on Blue Sky, you can find me as Mr. The um, M-R-T-H-E-E. I also have a TikTok as Mister the Game Dev. That's M R T H E E Game Dev. Um, th- those are sort of the big socials. If you go to Olifrog.com, that's where you can find the Steam page for uh, Olliefrog. There's a free demo there. It's got some bugs. Some people have fo- fallen through the floor. But if you want to like <laughs> send me a clip of that bug happening, that's totally fine because I still need to debug it. Um. Before my next upcoming functions, which are technically under wraps, but keep an eye on my Twitter, or maybe even the Kickstarter update pages for, uh, where you'll be able to see me in person next. Uh, in terms of shout outs or other games that folks should play, I've been playing a lot of Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak. That's sort of been my comfort game for the past, like, several months. So if anyone wants to hit me up at that, just like hit up my DMs, and I'm down to just like clown around in a lobby and help you grind stuff out, even if it's just anomaly ranks. Um. Yeah, I think that's about it from me that I could think of.
0: Well, awesome. You know, thank you, Mr. Uh, thank you, Philip. I was going to call you Mister Thea for fine. a second, but thank I respond you. to both. <laughs> but thank you for that. You know, um, always. You know, good ways to be able to track you um so yeah i'll definitely include any of like those those links for you um as well you know if if anyone does hit you up for for monster hunter rise hopefully it is something that um is a successful hunt you know it's it's been a long time since i've played monster hunter more than just stepping into it gently so uh i i think successful hunt is the best uh uh thing to say to someone or wishes and hopes you know
1: i think the phrase people use is happy hunting um i don't know if that's super formal but that's what i've heard here and there
0: so yes so you know if if anyone takes you up on it or just in your own downtime to relax happy hunting philip i hope i hope it goes well for you (laughs) thank you um but as i said if there wasn't anything else i will let you get on with your day i'll let you get on to your uh whatever else you have planned And, uh, you know, also going into the weekend and also hopefully you can relax a little.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much.
0: So thanks again to Philip for making time to have this conversation with me. And thank you for joining us on the Red Tunic podcast, as well as a special thanks to Ronald Jenkies for the use of music from the title track from Road Steep. And be sure to check out the episode description for links to socials, websites, and other means that will allow you to learn more about or how to support Philip and the podcast. While you're doing that, also be sure to follow, subscribe, you know, you know how to, all that works. Thanks. Until next time.